This episode brought to you by Audible, and today you can receive a free audiobook and 30-day free trial by visiting audibletrial.com slash sports. Listen to your audiobook anywhere, anytime. Exploring the impact of sports. Welcome, Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Having conversations and hearing personal stories from those who have been impacted, built, and inspired by the role of sports in their lives. Here's your host, Richmond Weaver. This is episode 59. I am your host, Richmond Weaver, and glad you're listening through whatever format that might be. And thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen. With success in life and trying to achieve all types of goals, there's always something what we call the grind that occurs. And our guest this episode, Tiffany Mitchell, she's not one to shy away from that grind as she's a rising star in the WNBA playing guard for the Indiana Fever. After being selected ninth overall by Indiana in the 2016 WNBA draft, she eventually was named to the all-rookie team. Growing up in Charlotte, North Carolina, she would help Providence Day School win three state high school championships before becoming one of the most decorated women's players in school history at the University of South Carolina under head coach Dawn Staley. There she was a three-time All-American, SEC Player of the Year in 2014 and 15, and she would even earn the Dawn Staley Award in 2015 as the nation's best guard. And in 2016, she earned the prestigious President's Award at South Carolina, which is the highest honor given to a student athlete. And now, episode 59 with Tiffany Mitchell. Tiffany, it's a pleasure getting to spend some time with you. And Thank you. Now, did I steal you from a workout today? Um, no, I actually got them all in before I came, so I had to push the time back a little bit because one ran a little longer, so I needed time to kind of shower, eat, <laughs> and head here. So you know the, the daily grind well, you're too, sports. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, you're too kind to be able to fit me in with your schedule. So what's training look like for you in the off-season? Um, well, this is technically my first off-season um, you know, since I've graduated. It's due to an injury, unfortunately, but I think this time actually has given me a great opportunity to, you know, just work on myself, rebuild everything, uh, just have a break mentally, physically. Um, this is kind of the best I've felt since I've been in college, just being able to, you know, really hone in on, on myself physically. Um, like I said, mentally, I kind of need this break because it's been nonstop since uh, college, since I graduated college. So it's like, WNBA overseas, back to WNBA, back to overseas. And that is just in a crazy schedule. So how did you find time just to have some downtime or did you have any downtime? Um, actually, like when last year when I came back from Russia, I probably had all of five days at home. So I literally unpacked, packed again for Indiana and then I had to go to training camp. So <laughs> it's really it's a nonstop grind. And I think my body kind of, you know, felt that and I know I had unfortunately said I had an injury towards the end of our season this past year um, it wasn't a huge injury that it took me a, a ton of time to come back from um, but it's definitely something that slowed me down which I think I needed yeah, and what was the injury 
Um, I had a partial tear in my cartilage uh, in my right knee. And what was the rehab like for that? Um, it was more so just letting it heal um, than actually trying to repair something and making it stronger. I just think it was kind of a little bit wear and tear. Like I said, it's just nonstop since, since college. So uh, the cartilage kind of just chipped off. Um, made it really hard for me to to move up and down, sit, to stand up, was was hurting. So I definitely had to get it fixed because um, I mean I'd rather get it fixed now than you know problems down the line. Of course. Yeah. Now, from a training perspective, though, so what does a typical training session look like for you these days? Uh, well, for me, I kind of wake up around six o'clock. Workouts start around seven thirty, so I wake up at six so I can get ready. Um, eat breakfast. I cook breakfast literally every morning. <laughs> and what's on the menu for breakfast for you? I actually cook myself like a full breakfast. Oh. So it's like eggs, turkey bacon, uh, depending on how I feel. It's like yogurt, granola, oatmeal sometimes. So I just make sure I'm really fueled for the day because I know some days can be pretty long for me. So I mean, start at six. Uh, that workout is the court workout. So shooting, ball handling, all of that for about an hour, hour and a half. Um, then I go to weights. Uh, that's another hour, hour 15, sometimes two hours, um, depending on what I have to do that day. After that, probably eat lunch, and then I'll do another basketball workout. Then after that, <laughs> it just keeps going. I know. And then I'll probably do like a yoga session. Like I said, depending on the day, um, stuff varies, but every day it's, it's some type of basketball, weight, you know, stability, agility stuff. Well, I can see that you're obviously very disciplined. I mean, your biceps, you're ripped, <laughs> you're definitely in shape. There's no doubt about that. But growing up, though, I've read that basketball wasn't necessarily your first focus. Right. So what's your first memories of when you really wanted to start playing basketball and fell in love with it? Um, honestly, it just kind of stemmed from my brother um, and my cousin. My cousin lived with uh, my brother and my mom uh, for a little bit. So my brother and my, my cousin were always playing basketball together. And I kind of was just like the sister there watching, <laughs> watching Tagging them along. play. Yeah, so I was like the little sister that they treated like a little brother <laughs> just because <laughs> I just wanted to be in everything. I was really just rough, tough growing up, just hanging out with them. Were you a tomboy growing I kind of was, like just hanging out with the boys. I mean, I kind of just grew up around boys a lot um you know i don't have any uh cousins or i don't have a sister that was close to my age so um it was just always hanging out with the guys and my brother me and my brother are only two and a half years apart so okay yeah so you're close yeah so we're pretty close and i kind of was just being the annoying sister always trying to follow him and <laughs> do what he does but yeah it started with him um honestly really weird reason just because he used to come home with you know trophies and stuff from his aau tournaments and i was I wasn't doing anything, so I'd just be upset because I didn't have any trophies. So it kind of started from there, just the that winning mentality. I just wanted to start because I just wanted a trophy. So I was like, all right, I'm just gonna get on a team that that's winning. So then I can <laughs> then I can get a trophy. So that was the main thing. And then once I actually started playing, and it became, I just fell in love with it instantly. So what age was that where you actually started playing organized? Um, probably around seven, eight years old. Um, I started playing on an all boys team. Um, and park and rec. So this, like I said, this was the last sport that my mom kind of just was like, all right, like this is the last draw. Cause I did, you know, I did karate, I ran track for a little bit, but I just never, my attention span was never there. <laughs> was never there for those sports. Um, I was just there honestly just to hang out and make friends. So she just felt like I was wasting her money. Um, I think my brother 
and my cousin convinced her. It was like, no, like let her play basketball. Like she's actually kind of good. So, so they like, saw some talent. They saw it. They saw it first. Convinced my mom was like, just let her play basketball. And then from there it was history. <laughs> yeah. Now, when did you move to actually playing on girls' teams then? Um, so I played for the uh, boys' team for probably two years, um, just parking and just hanging out with them. Uh, and then I went again to organize basketball with girls, and that's when I started playing AAU basketball around 10, 11 years old uh, for one the, uh, a pretty good team here in Charlotte. When, that, when I was 10, years, 10, 11 years old. Now, did you play other sports when you made this transition to basketball, or was it only focus on basketball because you fell in love with it? Yeah, it was all basketball. I mean, it went to, eventually I, I left the team in Charlotte and played for a team in Atlanta as well. So, I mean, it was really competitive. Those two cities had the most uh, competitive uh, girls teams. But, I mean, in high school, I still ran track a little bit. I did cross country. And I played lacrosse for a day. Okay. <laughs> I don't just wanted to see if I could catch the ball. <laughs> and then I realized outdoor sports are really not for me. So. Well, we're in the midst of my daughter, who's 14, playing soccer mm. for her middle school. And we just had to experience a game outside, obviously. And it was so cold. We were making yeah. the comments. Let's go back to basketball <laughs> so we can be indoors. Yeah, it was the outdoor sports um, did not last long for me. I mean, I had allergies. It was <laughs> pollen. It just wasn't a good fit for me. I was just like, I'm just going to stay inside. Let's get inside. Yeah, right? let's, sure. let's play basketball. What was it about basketball that made you fall in love with basketball? Um, honestly, just probably the how competitive it was. Um, I think, you know, those team team atmospheres is just like you said, it kind of felt like a family. Um, it's just something that I just gravitated towards. I have no idea like why that happened. It's just kind of it just kind of happened for me. Um, like I say, it's kind of just always been a part of, of our life just because uh, my brother, he was the main reason why I started playing just because he he was the one doing all the sports. So he played basketball, he played football, he played baseball, he played soccer. I did none of that. I was just at his games, running up and down the bleachers, rolling in the grass. Like <laughs> I just had all this energy and I had nowhere to put it. And then once I picked up a ball, um, I saw where I could go with this. Um, and I just, like I said, just kind of fell in love with it instantly. Yeah. And where'd you get your competitive streak from? <laughs> Probably like battling against him every single day. <laughs> once I started playing, I'm like, you know, I can beat you. Like I felt like I could just beat anybody and honestly uh, my mom uh, she raised my brother and I by herself so this just seeing her being able to kind of you know juggle um, I mean she has two master's degrees so she was in school well um, while we were really young so we'd have to go to my, my grandmother's house sometime and wait there for her to get out of classes um, you know she would have one weekend where my brother had games and then I had games so I mean seeing her juggle life and handle anything that was thrown at her um, and raising two children uh, I think she, that's where I feel like uh, that competitive came from and the, the toughness and, and the determination and everything. And what a great example of work ethic right. that she showed you exactly. and your brother as well yes. to be able to do that. I, I commend her for mm -hmm. that. Now, did you have a relationship with your dad? Um, I would say not really. Uh, I mean, he was there early on in my life, I believe. But after that, it was just kind of in and out. Um, he came to my high school graduation, came to one of my college games, and since that, that's yeah. it, yeah. Is that a void for you? Um, Not necessarily, I mean, it was kind of hard for me when I was younger, just because, you know, you grow up with your friends and stuff, you know, you see their mom, you see their dad, you know, their dad's coming to, to all their games, supporting them, 
and it was just my mom. I think my mom did a really good job of making it seem like I did have both my parents. So I really felt like I had, my mom was my mom and my dad. So she did a really good job of us never wanting for anything. Um, I was, I had a great childhood. Um, I don't miss, I don't think, I mean, honestly, him probably not being there is kind of who made, made me who I am. And it molded you to a certain degree. And I, right. I feel the same way with me, not mm -hmm. knowing my biological father and did have a stepdad that mm -hmm. tried to step in, but just wasn't the same and just not consistent. But I do feel that that adversity for me, where yeah. I had a void, that it did help mold and shape me in sports. Yeah, I mean, there were so, many, so many people around me and my godfather. I did have a godfather that I would hang out with. Um, here and there. I think my brother would hang out him a little more just kind of have that father figure around since he didn't actually have You know my father there. So my godfather played a big part uh, in my life one of my best friends her dad You know all my best friends dads kind of just helped out Um, I just kind of gravitated towards them like I said just cuz I'm just like hey dad Like I called him my dad just cuz <laughs> so, They all just took you yeah, in. Yeah, they right? all just embraced everything about it So I said I never really felt um, a huge void with that now, what about, uh, do you remember the first time that you saw some of these WNBA stars and some of these collegiate women's basketball stars that you felt that, all right, those are the people I want to be like one day? Mm -hmm. I mean, I was fortunate enough to have, uh, you know, the Charlotte Sting here when I was growing up. So um, a lot of people really didn't know a ton about the WNBA uh, early on, but having the Charlotte Sting here, a whole WNBA team in my backyard, and being able to go to the game and witness, you know, some of these professional women athletes and, and that plays basketball was huge for me because I got to see it early on and firsthand. So that's kind of how um, I got my start into being a fan of Coach Staley because she was one of my favorite players when she played for the Sting. Uh, never knew that <laughs> we would have the relationship we have now because I was complete all like shock. Uh, you know, I've waited. After yeah, she was somebody that you really looked up to. Yes, like I waited after games, had her jersey, like for her to sign it. It was it's really weird how things kind of just came full circle for us. Yeah, that's right. Now, yeah. were there any other players that you looked up to? Um, or that I mean, you liked? Yeah, that I mean, you of followed? course. I mean, Tamika catching, which is also really weird because I played with her for one year. <laughs> and I, I always joke with her because I'm like, Tamika, do you realize when you were drafted in the WNBA, like I was in first grade. So, <laughs> so she's like, you make me feel old. But I'm like, that's really because I'm like, eventually I could be playing with the first grader 10, 12 years from now. So you never know. But I was a huge fan, of course, of Tamika. I um, mean, Diana Taurasi, Simone Augustus, they were all some uh, players that I love to watch. Yeah. Now, what about any guys in the NBA mm -hmm. or in college? Who, who are some of the players that you liked? Um, I mean, when I was younger, I loved Dwayne Wade. I was a big, it's, it's kind of weird too, that I was a big Dirk, Dirk Nowinski fan. I just loved his game for him to be, you know, so tall and be able to, you know, have guard-like skills. I just thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, right now, of course, I love watching Steph and LeBron and Kyrie. They're all Westbrook. Love it. I just love yeah. how intense they are. Growing up then, were you a pro basketball fan more than a college basketball fan or vice versa? I think I, wa I watched pro basketball a lot more than college. And I think now I kind of watch college more than, <laughs> than pro basketball. So I don't, I'll kind of wait, unless it's a specific game that I want to watch with NBA, I'll probably wait till finals or something. So when was the turning point for you in high school that it became a reality that I can actually play in college and there might even be potential of playing at the next level. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I went to this camp um, in San Diego. It was a phenom camp, like all-star 50 phenom camp, something like that, when I was in seventh grade. So it's kind of like all girls from over uh, the nation will come um, and they'll kind of just rank you from your position then overall in the camp. And once the camp was done, um, I left as one of the, the second best shooting guards when I was in seventh grade. So I didn't, I mean, I was like, that's crazy. Like I'm, one, <laughs> I'm the second best shooting guard in the nation. Like after playing against all these, you know, top tier um, players at that age, it was kind of, that's when I kind of knew I'm like, okay, like, there's something there. Um, yeah. I definitely felt like if I stuck with it, um, I think that's the turning point for me where I actually, you know, went to training. I found trainers. Um, I just took that next step to kind of push me uh, a little bit further than uh, most players. Yeah. And so your mom was believing all of this and supporting all of this as well. Yeah. So she left my brother at home and me and her went <laughs> <laughs> to California when I was in seventh grade. Um, I mean, she, she supported uh, the basketball thing. And so she would wait after I would have school and I have practice and I would go train somewhere else. So she would just sit in the car for two hours and wait on me to be done, go home, stuff to cook dinner for me and my brother. And then, you know, make sure all of our work is done and do it all over again. So she supported me a hundred percent in anything. It sounds like it. Was there any doubt though, when you start getting recruited that you were not going to sign with South Carolina once you, I mean, Dawn Staley's <laughs> calling you, recruiting yeah. you, and she's your idol. So. Right. I imagine it was going to be automatic that you were signing with South Carolina, but was there other <laughs> schools that were pulling yeah. your heartstrings? It wasn't as automatic as you would think, just because, like I said, I was really big on wanting to be seen and a winner. Um, at the time, South Carolina was not yeah. where it was, That's where right. it They're is not, now. Yeah, at that so, time, they yeah, were not they rich in basketball history <laughs> like they are. They weren't too good, but I knew Coach Daly was a great coach. Um, I mean, when I was in 10th grade, I tore my ACL as well. So the recruiting was really good for me. Seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, a ton of schools were coming at me. ACC, SEC were just want, or sending me letters, things like that. I was communicating with them when it was that time period. But uh, after I tore my ACL, it kind of slowed down. So I, some schools kind of lost interest just because they didn't know how I would come back. Were you getting frustrated at that point? Um, yeah, I mean, you're like 15, 16 years old. So you're just like, what happened? <laughs> so kind of like, I mean, that was my first real injury, and I honestly felt like my life was over at 14. When I told Rachel, I'm like, what, the is, world, yeah, right? like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, <laughs> my life is over. But uh, there's definitely, I mean, my mom and, and my coaches and people that helped me rehab through all of that. Um, I got back pretty quick, actually, from, from that. And like I said, the recruiting kind of slowed down. Um, I think that was the first time I got invited to USA Basketball as well. Um, and I did not make the team. So uh, that's that was another reason that I was kind of like, you know, this is not good. This is not good for me. Like I told Mace, I came back after um, the ACL and went to try out, which I knew I kind of wasn't where I wanted to be. Yeah, you but, 100%. Exactly. But, you know, I still wanted to be there. It's a great opportunity anytime you get to play for USA basketball. But throughout that whole period in high school, um, South Carolina was there. So... Um, it was a huge loyalty thing for me. I'm really big on, on building relationships with people. And South Carolina was one of the schools that kind of just stuck with me. Um, you know, even she'll come to games that I wasn't playing well. And she'll come to games where I, you know, I scored 30 points. They were there literally through everything. So, I mean, other schools that I probably, if I didn't go to South Carolina, I probably would have went to Louisville 
I loved Coach Wallace as well. Okay. <laughs> he, he's a great coach. He's a great person. Um, I just kind of, I don't know, I kind of get like this feel and instinct of coaches where I feel like they kind of know what they're doing um, and can put you in positions to be really well and great players and, and great, greater people, you know, once you're done playing. And I think both of them had that. And what was ultimately Coach Staley's message to you about coming to South Carolina? Just to, to trust her and believe in her. Um, she knew it was going to be a, a huge gamble um, just because, like I said, they weren't that good when I was in high school. So she knew I was like, you know, I'm like, I'm not trying to come here and lose. <laughs> that is not something I want to do. I understand you're yeah, Because you won three coach. state championships. Right. So you're, you're wanting to win. Yes. I want to win. I want to play in front of a lot of people. Uh, you know, I want to be on a good team. And she's like, you know, she can't promise me you know, that we're going to win every game, but she could promise me that she's going to develop me as a player. Um, she's going to teach me what she knows. Um, and, you know, things will fall into place. And I think that was one of the best decisions I ever made. Well, obviously, you helped now establish mm -hmm. South Carolina's women's basketball program as one of the elite programs in mm -hmm. the country. There's no doubt about that. But when you get to college, why the number 25 <laughs> if you had number three in high school? Well, see, I, my number 25 has always been my first number. Um, when I was playing AAU, um, even in Park and Rec, I would have the number 25. There's no really real reason for why I chose 25. That's kind of like the number that was given to me. And well, I just kind of chose it out of nowhere and then it kind of just stuck with me. Uh, I mean, when I was in probably high school or no, probably middle school, uh, that was my, my AAU number. And then I was a huge Marissa Coleman fan as well. So, okay. which is an, another weird thing because she's on my team now. <laughs> That's so, amazing. All these things come full circle. So now she's on my team as well. And I, I, I just sent her a video actually when I was like in eighth grade doing some interview and they're like, who's your favorite player? And I'm like, Marissa Coleman. <laughs> so I sent her that video like really not too long ago. And then when I got to high school, they didn't have the number 25. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do 23. But another girl wanted 23, so we had to do like rock, paper, scissors, shoot. And I lost. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'll just take three. But it worked out for me because, like I said, I love Dwayne Wade. A lot of people tell me I play like him. I kind of look like him. I don't know. <laughs> I don't see that. But I have got comparisons in my game to Dwayne Wade as well. So the three um, definitely stuck. Or yeah, stuck it fits me. you. Yeah. yeah. And then now, obviously, you're wearing that with Indiana. Indiana. Mm -hmm. Now, is it because also that Marissa has Marissa number has 25? 25. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I went from I went back to twenty five when I was in college, and then I remember her reaching out to me like, you know, twenty five is there's no twenty five. <laughs> so I got it. I'm like, you got it. Like you can keep it. So I knew three was definitely next for me. Now, what about the 2016 NCAA tournament? How often do you still think about that upset against Syracuse? Um. Not too often. I try to delete that entire game <laughs> out of my memory. Um, it's something sometimes I do think about, you know, just watching, uh, you know, college basketball now and just knowing that, you know, that ended really bad for me. Um, not the way I wanted to end my senior year. Uh, my senior year was just kind of really rough for me to begin with just because I was coming off another injury with the USA basketball. Um, I broke my foot um, playing in Pan Ams. So most of that season was just trying to get back to who I was before the injury. So it was really up and down season for me, really inconsistent. And I'm really big on, you know, I don't need to take a ton of shots to be able to, to rack up points. So I'm really big on efficiency. So I mean, I'm gonna make majority of the shots that I take so I don't have to take 
a lot of them. <laughs> and my senior year was not that. Like it was, it was just really rough uh, mentally for me to deal with. So um, I think that that last game was really tough for me because I kind of felt like I just didn't do my part. I didn't do my job. It was just, it was hard. I didn't want to take off, you know, the uniform. <laughs> Realizing that that was my last game as as a Gamecock, that was tough for me. I know that had to be difficult and obviously yeah. not playing how you wanted to end your career mm -hmm. and the way it ended that way. Now, do you look back, do you think that it might have been different if you wouldn't have played in the Pan Am games? I don't know. I mean, honestly, I feel like uh, everything happens for a reason. Um, I think that that kind of played a part in my draft stock as well. Um, I didn't think people didn't think that I would fall as far as nine. And I'm honestly blessed to say that I, you know, I did fall as far as nine to play for an organization like the Fever and learn from and be able to play with Tamika for one more year before she retired. Um, I think it was just a, a perfect fit for me um, to go to Indiana. So, I mean, God, God, it happens for a reason. I'm a firm believer in that. He has a plan. He has a plan. There is no question yes. about that. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I'm a firm believer in it. With that draft, though, was it a, anticlimactic for you though in terms of sitting there feeling that I should be going higher and not hearing your name until number nine yeah I mean you you, you kind of hear and see uh you know draft boards throughout your senior year um, a lot of people talking about the draft a lot of people saying you should go here you should go there um I try to kind of just tune all that out but it's really hard when you're senior year because that's all they're talking about is the WNBA you're going to the WNBA like you should be first round you're gonna be second round like it's just it's just so much that's going on. Literally, people don't know until the actual day and what the team wants. So you really have no idea. I mean, I knew I wasn't going to be a top three pick. I knew that. So after that, it was kind of, you know, the waiting game. I had no idea where I would go. So it was really, it was nerve wracking, um, nervous. I mean, I had my mom on one side and Coach Staley on the other side, which was perfect. So, I mean, after yeah. probably number seven, I'm like, <laughs> looking at them, I'm like, are you serious? Like, let's go. Yeah, I'm like, oh my God. Like, yeah, I really have, you just have no idea and your fate really rests in, in these teams' hands. So once nine came, I kind of just breathed a, a big sigh of relief and was just ready to just walk up. I probably could have ran to the stage. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Yes. <laughs> I don't have to sit here anymore. That's right. We're Now we, we've got this over. I know where I'm going. Right. I know that has to be a little bit difficult because for the most part in your career, you get to choose where you're playing. Obviously, you get to choose where you're going mm -hmm. to college. But then all of a sudden, now you're having to sit there and wait yeah. and wait until your name is called. Yeah, it's, it's definitely um, nerve wracking, but a, an experience that, you know, a lot of people don't get to experience as well. So I had my best friends in the stands. I had my brother there. Uh, a couple of my college, or high school coaches surprised me and came to the draft as well. So uh, it's just it's a really great experience to be able to be invited to that. Um, so I'm blessed to have the opportunity to sit there and wait, even though it was very nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah. Now, did you look at your brother, tell your brother, like, hey, thanks for all those trophies that you got to motivate me. But look, I just got drafted by the yeah. WNBA. <laughs> he knows his part in my life. And, and he always talks. We always uh, joke now. I'm like, you know, you can't ever beat me in one on one ever again. <laughs> so that's a good part about it. Now, when you were at South Carolina, you were there when the football team was pretty good yeah. with Coach Spurrier. So mm -hmm. were you into football uh, yeah. like every other student was? Of course. I mean, if you uh, go to the University of South Carolina, um, I think football is just something 
you have to love. I mean, the whole city would shut down for a football game. Um, it was just great to be able to, to see that in the sandstorm and like thousands of people in there. Uh, you know, it's a loud stadium. It is crazy. Williams Bryce is, is huge into experience, especially when they play Georgia. Those games were, <laughs> those games were some of the best games ever that I've attended a football game. And I'm, I'm not even like a huge football fan, but going to South Carolina made me kind of pay attention to just football around the country. So uh, South Carolina's made me into a football yeah. fan. Now, what about on the court in the women's game? Because now all of a sudden the women's team starts setting all these records with attendance. Mm -hmm. So what was that like? Do you remember a particular game that it was just really loud, energy level was high, and Mm -hmm. that you can vividly remember? I mean, our fans after my freshman year, I mean, I think we made it to the tournament all four years. I was there. Um, but we lost in the second round my freshman year. And I think after that, the fans kind of just rallied behind us. We had a, we added more pieces to our team, of course. Asia, Elena, all of them, they came and helped us a, a tremendous amount. Um, so I think that after that, the fans kind of rallied behind us. And we would have went from like 7,000 people to, you know, 17,000 people in the fans. So uh, it was it was crazy just to kind of see the the evolution of Gamecock basketball. Um, Cause I, even when I went and visited sometimes for the games, there was literally, you could count the people, <laughs> okay. the people yeah. in the stands. And it was, it was sad like <laughs> that people did, didn't support, you know, the women's team. But I think now our fans, we have the best fans in the nation, tremendous job, you know, leading the attendance uh, in the nation for the past, I think, what, three, four years. You no, know, it's crazy. Yeah. Just the turnaround. It is. For sure. Well, that's what winning does, though. Yeah, we do know that. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> and more Coach games Daly, you win, the more fans we get. <laughs> of course. And Coach Daly's doing a great job of building a culture yeah. as well, is, is what I can see from an outsider's view. But is there one particular game that your favorite game as a Gamecock? Uh, let's see. I mean, anytime you get the, even though we didn't win, anytime you get the opportunity to play UConn, um, you're playing one of the best teams in the nation, if not the best team in the nation. That, so you get to see where you're at and, and test it up against them. And I just loved uh, being able to play uh, against some of the people that they say are the best in the nation. Then how was that transition, though, going from college then now playing in the WNBA? Um, for me, honestly, it, it wasn't terrible. Like, it wasn't that huge of a, a gap. I mean, there is, you do hit a rookie role at one point where kind of things just just come so fast. I mean, early on, you're just full of uh, energy. Yeah, because um, you came out of the gates fast, yeah. your first game. Yeah, you're ready to show some people, yeah, you missed out by not selecting me, right? <laughs> Basically, that's I kind of just came out with that chip on my shoulder. Um, I felt like I shouldn't have felt that, that far in the draft, but um, so I kind of just had that on my shoulder and that weight on me. Um, just wanted to prove people, you know, that I do belong in this league and that I'm gonna be one of the best players once I leave this league. So that's kind of the mentality um, that I went in with. Um, I think we had some injuries early on, which pushed me to the starting lineup, um, you know, as a rookie. And I think I kind of just took that and ran with it, that opportunity that I had. Um, I just didn't want to, you know, go back after that. Now, are you motivated by proving people wrong that might have doubted you or motivated by proving people right who believed in you? It's a little bit of both. Uh, you know, I'm very self-motivated. So if it's no one that believes in me, that's fine. And if there's 10,000 people that believe and believes in me, that's fine as well. So um, that motivation, honestly, is just really self-driven. Um, proving myself right, um, knowing that I could do it. Um, you know, when people say I couldn't do it, uh, you know, I'm just making sure, you know, this is, I know that what I can do and whatever 
he says or she says, it doesn't really matter if I know, you know, the work that I put in, um, it's just as good as anyone else. Now was the, your second season, how much different was it than your rookie season? It was a, I think it was, I would say it was a little better. Um, I think my rookie season towards the end just kind of plateaued. Um, I never picked it up probably after All-Star. It was just, you know, being a rookie, it was just hard. You know, people, you're on the scouting report now. Um, people know what you do. Um, a lot of people didn't know what I, I've done in college. So I kind of came in and was just like free and kind of could do whatever, you know. And I had a lot more room um, to play um, based from South Carolina, where we kind of had you know, a ton of bigs um, in the paint. And then once I got to WNBA, it was just a lot more spread out for me, which is better suited for my games because I like to penetrate. I like to get to the basket. But I think my second year um, was more of just being able to read defenses and not just actually just go, go, go. So it was kind of just being able to know when to go, when to pull back. So it's more of a, a mental thing with me than physically instead of trying to, you know, out, outwork and outbeat everyone. It's kind of just learning, you know, do this when this happens or, you know, don't do this when she's here. So I think um, my second year was kind of more being able to, to see that now and, and adjust to that. What's your game day prep look like? Well, we'll have shoot around probably that morning. I wake up, probably eat a little something, go to the gym, shoot around, come back, eat my pregame or eat breakfast after that. Um, I just make sure, honestly, I just take a nap and make sure I always I have say, a nap. Yeah, are you a nap person? Always have to have a nap. Even if it's like two minutes, I have to close my <laughs> eyes <laughs> for it for some type of, I need some type of just alone time just to be Almost meditation. Yes. Right. So I need to either sleep or just no one around me for at least five to, to 30 minutes. My naps sometimes have been like two hours one time. <laughs> we don't play until seven o'clock. So. Yeah. Now, have you noticed, is there a difference of how you play versus how long your nap is? Um, see, I'm really kind of superstitious like that, honestly. <laughs> okay, so what's your superstition? So I always try to just make sure if I have a really good game, I make sure that I do the same exact thing <laughs> okay. and I eat the same exact thing. Um, if I have a bad game, I would change my shoes. I wouldn't wear those shoes again. So it's kind of a little ridiculous, a little OCD. So I'm like, oh no, like I played, I played terrible. I can't wear this again. Like <laughs> I got to do my hair a certain way. Now, well, actually I cut my hair recently. Yes, you have. You have so your I don't think I'll have that problem. No, you will not. <laughs> but that's how it used to be. Um, yeah, I just make sure everything. I'm very routine based. I make sure everything I do the same exact way for pretty much everything. So speaking of routine, is that what has helped you from a free throw perspective? Because mm -hmm. you set two separate records, 42 consecutive yeah. free throws made. And then you break that mm -hmm. 43 consecutive free throws made. So yeah. what's your mindset and then your routine with free throws? Um, I think that's kind of started in high school. I was a terrible free throw shooter. Um, and, and one of my coaches, David Russell, uh, he would say with me after practice. And, you know, he's like, if you could just make 10 in a row, you know, I'll get you a, a smoothie for something from Smoothie King. <laughs> and it, it was so hard for me to make 10 in a row. It was, I was terrible. Um, so I just kind of always stayed in the gym and just worked on my free throws after that. Um, I kind of had one of those spells as well. Um, in college, probably my freshman year, terrible from the free throw. I remember one game vividly. We played Seton Hall, and I think I was like two for 13 from the free throw line. <laughs> it was terrible. Like That's a bad game, it, right? <laughs> it was so bad. Like, honestly, it was just like, just take me out. Like, I don't even want to be fouled. I mean, at that point, it was more mental than me, actually, because I could make 
a shot, but get to the free throw line and blow the free throw. So it was more mental um, with me than anything. So I think being able to kind of break past that that mental wall and just work on the routine um, mentally. Once I, I'm like, I'm by myself, honestly, I just picture me, my, myself and the goal. You know, I don't see anyone else there. I don't have anyone contesting my shot. So, I mean, this is the most open I'm going to be all game. Um, that's how I kind of envision it now. Um, it was kind of a surprise when I missed. <laughs> I remember the game where I missed the free throw. They kept talking about it. I hate when commentators do it. The like, ultimate jinx, yes, right? Oh, my God. They kept like, oh, you know, this is the game where she could pass her, her free throw. <laughs> her free throw run, and I'm missing that game. I'm just like, I'm, like I stand at the line. I'm just like, what? And I get back on defense. I was just so in shock that I missed, but... Uh, it happens. I'm just happy that I've been able to start the streak over again this year. Well, I, I think it, it's commendable that you've been able to see a weakness and you got better at mm-hmm. it and really focusing on it. Because also the aspect of a free throw, it's really a difficult shot because mm-hmm. you're not in the flow right. where you're typically you're just going up and down the court. You're in the flow. You're not even thinking. Yeah. Right. It's mm-hmm. just all coming natural. And then all of a sudden now. Things stop, and you really have to think about it. So from your perspective, it is a lot mental. It is. Now, what about who helped you your first year from a mentor standpoint? Who was helping you during your rookie season? Um, it was a little bit of everyone. Um, I would say definitely I came into the fever as one of the, well, the youngest player on the team. And just having all those vets there kind of just there to pick me up and talk to me. Uh, Tamika was huge my first year for me, um, even though she was towards the end of her career. Her verbally, um, and her, she, I mean, she, she was still around last year as well, so her kind of just being there um, and just hearing her, even if she wasn't on the court, kind of just helped me. Uh, Breon, she played a, a tremendous part as well, kind of just, you know, taking me under her wing, um, you know, kind of like her little sister. I was kind of her aggravated little sister. <laughs> Since I never had a sister, I'm like, you're going to be my big sister now. So I kind of just made myself her sister. But they were all great. Marissa as well. I mean, they are all great. Mo, honestly, I could go all down the list with the people who's, you know, made my transition on my first year. Great. Um, I mean, I kept in, in touch with Coach Daly as well. I mean, she would watch a couple of my games. She came to a couple of my games as well. And we would, you know, text back and forth, you know, what I need to do, what she thought um, I needed to work on and just how to, you know, adjust to, to being a pro. Because, I mean, it is different from college. You're, you're on your own a lot. Um, so she kind of just talked to me and make sure that, you know, I was good throughout my yeah. season. And did you have an apartment in Indianapolis? Yeah, they, they give us an apartment um, to stay in. Did so. you have a roommate or you just... No. Okay. No roommate. <laughs> you passed that, <laughs> Which is right? great. Yep. No roommate is not college, so I got to live by myself, which was great. <laughs> what about the transition of going to Russia? Uh, How difficult was that? Uh, it was rough. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty difficult for me um, my first year to, to go to a place like Russia. I probably couldn't have chose a more difficult place to play in. Um, it was just the culture is different. No one really spoke a ton of English or it wasn't that great, honestly. Uh, the food was a little different. Um, <laughs> it was just really cold. It just yeah, wasn't. They didn't have your turkey bacon <laughs> no, there. No, they did not. <laughs> so I think I just lived off like eggs and chicken pretty much. But that's the only thing that I could recognize. Mm-hmm. But it was just different for me. The culture you see. Um, you know, we just have first world problems, honestly. <laughs> it's like things that you just feel like are 
like given sometimes it's not there um once you go overseas and i had to really adapt to that and adapt to their culture and kind of live um you know that way was just really hard for me especially being away from my family and my friends um that long um never been away for more than eight months at one time so that was really hard for me <laughs> and so now but you plan on continuing doing that each i do each year i do plan on going back overseas um, i mean i signed to go um, this past season before I got hurt. But I mean, that's just kind of the name of the game to kind of make up for the money that we're missing in the WNBA. It's kind of another way to, to make money. How difficult is it, or I shouldn't say how difficult, but was it uh, difficult uh, or was it like knowing that your season is in the summer versus mm -hmm. traditionally, you know, basketball's a fall, fall winter yeah. type of sport? It's kind of cool, I mean, just to kind of play in the summer because it reminds you of AAU um, and playing there and traveling and, and going to all these different cities and, and playing like that. So I think it's a, a great outlet for, um, you know, people once college season is over, now we have the WNBA. So I think it's kind of in a perfect area um, for people to pay attention to because there is no college basketball for them to, uh, you know, lose interest in. You know, it's just us. Um, I mean, I think baseball. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you, there's not many people that are watching baseball. So I think baseball's going on well. So, I mean, we, our competition isn't that great. So, I mean, we have all eyes on us now in the summer, and I think that's just a, a good spot for us. Now, your journey is really just getting going. Now, mm -hmm. you, you've been playing for a long time, but from a professional standpoint. Mm -hmm. But when you look back at you know where you are now, you just finished holding your girls camp yeah. or a camp for young mm -hmm. girls just recently. Yep. So is it surreal for you to think about that now you've got this contingency of young girls and ladies that are looking up to you like you once did right. to some of these WNBA players? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's definitely surreal, uh, humbling. Um, never thought that this would happen, of course. Well, not this fast, at least. Um, you know, I'm only going into my my third year in the WNBA and I, the support that I've seen from, you know, from a seven-year-old even onto a seven-year-old just to say, you know, just watching me play and watching, you know, us play basketball really just changes their entire life. So um, I think me learning that, because um, at first, you know, I'm, I'm just, I just play basketball. Like, <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> but once I learn, um, you know, how it actually does affect people, um, just this game is, I realize I have a bigger purpose, honestly, than playing basketball. Playing basketball is just something that I do. I'm not a basketball player. I am more than a basketball player. And I think, you know, having the support and realizing that um, has definitely changed my game and just my outlook on the life of life and basketball. Basketball is just a platform for you. It is. Right? Mm -hmm. So when you look back then, how would you sum up what sports has meant in your life? Uh, sports has pretty, really been everything for me. Um, it's taught me so many life lessons. I feel like everyone's to try at least one sport. You know, it doesn't have to be basketball, which I maybe it should. <laughs> I mean, I'm biased. <laughs> I think basketball is the best sport <laughs> for you to try. But... I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it just teaches you so much more about yourself, that, that team atmosphere, being able to, to deal with adversity and obstacles. Um, you know, they're just going to get you prepared for, for everyday life after that sport. Now, what we talked about also, your inspiration to many young girls that, that look up to you. Mm -hmm. So what are some words of wisdom, any phrases, mottos, quotes, or just life advice that has meant a lot to you? Um, honestly, just the, the hard work aspect of it. Um, that's something that, 
you know, if any little girl came up to me, asked me, you know, what is something, advice that you would give me just to, to work hard. Nothing is given to you. Even at an early age, you're going to have to work hard for everything. I feel like I've worked for everything that was given to me. Um, I mean, it hasn't been given to me. I feel like I've, you know, earned it, of course, just from hours and days spent in the gym, just working on my craft. Um, I think that's the, the main thing that I think they should just pick up on early on that you're going to have to work with, with anything. It doesn't have to be sports. If it wants to be in your, your next career, you're going to have to work to move up in the next level and get a promotion. So, you know, hard work is within life. So you're just going to have to develop that, I think, at an early age. And once you have that, I think things will fall into place for you. Well, it's been an honor, Tiffany, or should I say, take over Tiff. As some people have called you. <laughs> I know there's much more to your career, and I greatly appreciate you spending some time. Thank you. With Thank us you. Today. It's easy to see that Tiffany has had tremendous success even in the early stages of her journey at this point. And it's evident that her journey is far from over as she's continuing to drive for even more success. And that means one thing's for certain, her grind will continue because the ones who strive for success also understand the intricacies of making sure that their grind is part of the process. And we know Tiffany's not afraid of that grind. Now that finishes episode 59. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Take Sports. Thanks for listening. 